everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Style Guides podcast, a podcast about style guides, pattern libraries, design systems, and all that good stuff. My name is Brad Frost. I'm Anna Debenham. And today we are thrilled to have back on the program a repeat performance, Gina Ann. Gina, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, we are so excited to have you back. Uh, we Gina, 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 Gina. Gina is probably like the the one person in the the design systems universe that could uh, just just immediately cause people to start chanting. <laughs> <laughs> you need to build that into Clarity Conference. Uh, <laughs> or maybe I'll make that happen in the audience. We'll we'll, we'll do that. But uh, uh, anyway, so Gina, we are are absolutely thrilled to have you back on the show. Um, the reason why we're so excited to have you back on the show is that the the first time we talked to you, so you're a Salesforce. We are talking to you. You've been doing this pattern library style guide stuff for ages. And the last time we chatted, it was like helping everybody get their head around, hey, here are style guides, here are pattern libraries, here's design systems, here's all these these sort of terms and you know, here's how they're helpful. But you've now, these years later, like in the meantime, you've just absolutely kicked ass and and put in place, helped put into place one of the what I'd consider to be that the high watermark for design systems, uh, uh, Salesforce's Lightning Design System. So, so yeah, we're excited to talk to you about all that and like how that's all evolved and and sort of what you've accomplished and what you've struggled with and all that stuff. So, um, so yeah, so th- thanks for coming back on. Awesome, yeah, and I'm excited about talking about Lightning because it's it. I, I still can't believe. Um, how big it got well, how do, you want, it? do you want to just sort of like start off i guess by just like giving a bit of of context i guess from where we last like left off with you like you were sort of i think in the process of like working on this thing but then so so like what's happened tell tell us a story <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um i design or let me go way back. So I switched over to the core team at Salesforce um, because I saw the Salesforce One uh, mobile style guide. Um, and um, this team that we have now kind of has evolved many, many times. So when I started, it was a cross-functional team of visual designers, interaction designers, and front-end developers. And before we called ourselves the design systems team, it was it was called the Salesforce Cloud because we have you know all these clouds like com- like I guess now we have Commerce Cloud, Sales Cloud, Service Cloud, Marketing Cloud. So this Salesforce Cloud was kind of considered the core like all umbrella <laughs> cloud, <laughs> but that was kind of a confusing name, and so um, we rebranded our team to be the systems team, and then after a while design systems to be a little bit more um, obvious about what we do. Um, Yeah, and so at the start, we had the Salesforce One style guide, but nobody was really using it. Like, it was really beautiful, and, you know, like I said, it attracted me to join the team. But it wasn't actually, um, you know, devs weren't using the code, and designers were kind of still doing their own thing, and I think it 
there were a lot of reasons for that. Um, but um, one of the things that we worked on, which is what I kind of consider uh, the early genesis of the Lightning design system, were um, mm. design tokens. And so we had the style guide that nobody was using, but we also had uh, the beginnings of what design tokens were. And uh, that was fully embraced and adopted by our engineers and designers. And so we were building that system out. And, um, it, you know, it worked pretty well. Like people were definitely referencing the tokens in their uh, sketch files. Developers were using tokens in their CSS. And then at some point down the road, um, you know, realized tokens are only going to get you so far. And so the idea was we were going to make a CSS framework. And that framework initially was just going to be used by the UX team for rapid prototyping and uh, using that as a living mm. spec. And then we thought, yeah, we thought, you know, and then if this is pretty good, we can offer this to our open source developer community for people building apps to basically shoehorn into the Salesforce platform. They want it to look and feel like it belongs. And then we thought maybe down the road, you know, this will get used in production <laughs> and our own engineers will use it. <laughs> I, we were thinking this would be like two or three years out and oh, it did not oh, happen wow. that way at all. <laughs> yeah, so um, we, so I had uh, recruited my really good friend, Stephanie Ruiz, and then we recruited some some more along the way. Um, we were building this thing thinking we had a pretty good um, amount of, of time in, ahead of us. And then uh, it just all kind of happened really fast. Like uh, our engineer, our engineers were basically copying and pasting our code because they realized the work had already been done by our team and it looked nicer than theirs. <laughs> and so when we realized that was already starting to happen, uh, we had to basically shift our plan around and prioritize our uh, production engineering team instead. And so everything kind of got flipped around, but um, it's awesome because it means like we're shipping our product much faster and more efficiently, but it also kind of was like, oh, crap, what did we just get ourselves <laughs> so it's into? Like, you're, you're thinking it's going to be like this sort of like start small and then like eventually we'll get to this big thing. And then it's just like just by way of, of like having something that was already beneficial to your team, they're just like, cool, we're using this now. You better... It better be good, I guess. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, man, the times that we've had to completely change things around, like the first version of it wasn't prefaced with SLDS dash uh, in all the classes. And then we realized people were combining it with old CSS and there were clashes happening. So we had to go. Th but luckily, at this point, I think we were still in the alpha phase. So we could say, like, Hey, sorry, mm. you got to change your syntax. Um, and then, you know, we were using the BEM syntax and, you know, there's all these things that you just find out um, along the way and you realize, oh, maybe we should have known that at the beginning. So we actually had to deprecate um, that syntax and introduce a new BEM syntax because turns out our production code uses XML and double dashes uh, cannot be commented. It. <laughs> so just all sorts of little fun quirky things like that have come up along the way and it's been interesting and 
um, definitely educational. Gina, a couple of minutes ago, <laughs> you mentioned design tokens, and I've had a few people kind of ask what they are. Yes. Um, could you kind of sum up what sure. what they are and how you use them and why they're really awesome? Yeah, um, I like to think of them as the subatomic part of the design system, but it's basically um, at its, um, I think one of the easiest way to define it is it's like a variable. In fact, in most cases, that is how it's used is a variable. Um, so in our case, we use SAS, um, but when we produce this, when we give the CSS over to our core production team, we actually use a different format. They don't use SAS. Um, so we have basically mm -hmm. tokens for them. And so basically the idea, um, uh, tokens, if you think about like when you localize content, you might put all your content into strings that are tokenized, and then you can replace those tokens with whatever language. Um, so it's similar to that technology that our engineering team were already using for things like colors and font sizes. Um, but in our case, we're using them as SAS variables instead. So we kind of built out this entire infrastructure of tokens, which is great because uh, we also have to think about mm -hmm. native devices. Um, so this is a way that we can still scale our design without having a contact like the mobile, you know, Android team, the iOS team, the Windows team to make color changes. We just do it on our end and it all rolls out in a build system to all those different teams. And we also generate other things like color swatches for designers. So there's a lot of different ways that you can use tokens, but the most common use case is a So they're kind uh, of like variable. super variables because you'd use them no matter what platform you're on. Yeah, exactly. And that was really important for us because, uh, you know, we have a huge developer ecosystem where some of our customers are building on uh, Java, some of them are on PHP, Node, like all sorts of different formats. And they might be using SAS, they might be using less, they might be using XML for Android. There's all sorts of stuff people could be using. So this is a way we can scale our design to all sorts of different formats in an I'd agnostic way. I'd love to, to pick at that and, a little bit just because like that, that seems to be sort of a common thread uh, around like a lot of different companies are running all these different tech stacks. You, you know, in, in your guys' case, it's like you have, you know, third-party developers and just sort of other people, like things that are sort of out of your control, right, to a degree. And so it's like, how right. how did you sort of set up your sort of architecture? Like tokens obviously are a big part of that, but like just how did you set things up so that people that are running Java or, or Node or PHP or whatever would be able to like reach for your components and go like I I can use this right like so because because so, so many places I see it's like they they sort of tie the the components to a specific technology is like oh like yeah I want I want those tabs but mm -hmm. like oh that means I have to use React or well I guess I can't use that now so like how how did you all approach that like architecturally and and sort of from a marketing standpoint, even like how did how are you thinking about that stuff? Uh, I'm gonna talk to it as well as I can. There's a lot of technical stuff that I have a lot of help from awesome people on my team, but um, you know the primary format um, that 
uh, we're concerned with for most of Salesforce is mm. the Lightning platform. And so, um, you know, that that is like what we, we hope that everyone moves over to. But, you know, we seem to acquire companies <laughs> all the time. And so not everybody, not everybody is using the Lightning platform. And so... Yeah, it was very important that we set something up that would work for people that are on Ember or React or whatever. So the way it's set up is uh, it used to be its own repo. Now it, it actually kind of lives inside the design system repo. But it's a set of files, either JSON uh, <laughs> uh -huh. or, <laughs> or YAML. We started with JSON and then we moved to YAML because we found it to be a lot more designer friendly. Um, and... At, the, at its simplets, its name and value pairs, but you can, depending on how you set it up, you can add in all sorts of other tags. Like we can tag uh, a, an additional comment to describe how it's used, or we can flag a token as deprecated. We can even define which CSS properties are allowed mm -hmm. for that token. Um, so you can add in all sorts of other things to it that you can use for automation and tooling, but at its simplest, it's name and value pairs. And then... Um, that repo is um, using Node, and so we basically run um, a command, and then it'll generate all the tokens needed for SAS, LESS, Stylus, XML, JSON, um, Lightning, and so on. And then um, the build process um, automatically puts that SAS, set of SAS variables into our design system CSS. And so um, it's always going to mm. grab the latest. Um, so that's how we do it on our side of things. And then we consume that in our CSS framework as SAS variables. Um, the way we deliver it to our engineers is we basically compile the, we take the compiled CSS and we retain the SAS variables as is, except uh, we change the format of them to match the lightning format. And that way things are still tokenized, but um, they're not getting like all the mix-ins and functions and stuff that SAS has. So that's how they get it. And uh, Brandon and Steph on my team, they will basically put that directly into core and work very closely with, uh, we have a, a, a sister team on that side of things called the styling team. And they, you know, make sure that we're not introducing any bugs. They run a whole bunch of tests on it and, um, you know, sometimes have to uh, corral other devs to, you know, fix things if they've done things to override or stomp on things and so on. Um, so that's how they consume it. And then, um, you know, when, when you use our, our open source CSS framework, you can either use the SAS files or um, you can just use the compiled CSS. And then we also offer a couple other formats for other platforms like our older platform, Visual Force, um, and uh, like I said, Lightning. And then we also have those as packages, like NPM packages oh. or Bower packages. Like, so it kind of depends on how, basically that's cool. choose your own no, adventure. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes people might even have to have uh, different things in, in their compiled CSS depending on their platform. So we'll try to automate all that as much as possible. For example, uh, we can't really use normalize as is on the Visual Force platform because they do 
a lot of things that it would actually conflict with. So we, we give a very special format um, of the CSS to the Visual Force platform. <laughs> yeah, holy crap. Yeah. Let, me, so let, me like, ju- let me just note real yeah. quick, how awesome is it you have a styling team? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. insane. <laughs> yeah, they're... They, they're really awesome. They're, as far as I'm aware, I think it's really like two people um, doing like basically they, they don't do all the styling, but they're sort of like the oh, traffic wow. directors in a way of styling. Like they, if, if you have a bug in your code, they're the ones usually that you're going to be talking to to get that bug fixed and uh, we're really good friends with them. They're <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so it sounds yeah. like you kind of you know, you, you make a lot of changes and um, you've got a lot of people consuming this design system. How do you manage uh, version control? How do you make sure that people are using the most up-to-date version? Um, and what do you do if people are using a really old version? Yeah, so that's actually, um, you know, for for the Lightning platform, we're always, you know, just putting our stuff in there so if you're using the Lightning platform, you're just mm, getting right. these changes for free. You just have to make sure your your component markup is correct. Um, for all the other people, <laughs> we like we use Semver and we try to you know uh, kind of keep tabs on usually about three releases at once. Usually it's the the current release that's out right now, uh, the next release, and then whatever release was out prior because we don't want to leave people behind um so we're usually keeping aware of like three releases sometimes there might be more than one in the future that we're thinking about uh depending on whatever is coming um and you know we have a deprecation strategy in place like we use sas deprecate which is our open source um mix-in that you can use um it's a little tool that brandon created wait, 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 what does and that do on top of (laughs) so uh, yeah sorry (laughs) yeah so it's a it's a really cool idea brandon came up with where you wrap your deprecated code in this mixin and you tell it through passing of a variable what version it deprecates in or not not version like what what Mm. version you want it to go away and then basically once you hit that version it no longer compiles that code that's wrapped in the mixin um, so it won't be in your output. And so um, I'm trying to remember how long, I think it's almost like two years that minimum that we can uh, deprecate things. So we can't remove wow. something next yeah. version. It'll be, it'll be in there for a while, but that's because, you know, we have this huge uh, promise to our customers yeah. that we won't yeah. break. Yeah. But, does, but it... <laughs> it's, does it like sort of yell at them though? Or is it like, Hey, it looks like you're using like some, yeah. some deprecated stuff. Maybe use this instead or. Yeah. Like we have, um, we use on our end, we use the warn uh, nice. function in uh, SAS. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I believe if you run it locally, yeah. If you run it locally, then in your command line, it'll tell you, hey, you're using some deprecated stuff. And so, um, and it's in our release notes, and then we mark in, in our docs when things are deprecated as well. Um, but yeah, I get, we because this is still only like maybe a year and a half or, or like 
we d- we haven't reached the point yet where we've right, been right. able to remove anything. But I I am I imagine that that would be like a ton of communication. And yeah. Yeah. And yeah. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> and 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 what's determining that stuff deprecating? Like, is it just like, yeah, this didn't get used, or like, oh, we found that like this is a a better like UX way to accomplish the same thing, or like how, like, uh, how are how are you guys thinking about that? Yeah. So we. Um usually deprecate when it's a pattern that no longer um, like meets our standards. So like carousels. it might be something that uh, <laughs> we, we yes. have never had a carousel. I'm proud to say, <laughs> and believe people have asked for them and we're like, cause they're like, well, bootstrap has a carousel. And we're like, we're not bootstrap. Um, and so we only, we only build things when we need sure. them for our platforms. So that's kind of nice. Cause we're not building, like, oh, maybe someday, probably yeah. one day I'll need this. No, yeah, we're not going to build it until we need it. But, yeah, so, like, I guess, like, the biggest things I've seen happen is, like, maybe a certain um, way a component is structured doesn't meet oh. accessibility requirements. So we have to kind of restructure it. Um, so then we would deprecate the old way and, um, you know, because some people might still be using sure. some of these classes, unfortunately. Um and then another reason, um, I mean, like I said, we just had to deprecate our entire class <laughs> class uh, BEM structure. And so everything's comma separated now with two class names, the old mm. one and the new one, <laughs> which kind of sucks, but we know it's going to go away one day. So. Yeah, that'll, that'll, that'll make that, <laughs> that, that code yeah. base feel, at least feel a lot cleaner, I'm sure, whenever that day arrives, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so all, there's, you know, all sorts of different things. It might even be that, you know, here's a pattern we're introducing and then a, we realize it's not testing well or users aren't able to use it. So we basically design a new pattern instead that okay. works much better. So we'll deprecate, we'll deprecate the old one and, uh, you know, so point how do you, how do you one. handle the client side JavaScript? So if you've got a pattern and, um, it's got some kind of functionality with it. Do you include that in the design system or do you kind of expect people to do that separately? So, <laughs> yeah, so we do not have any JavaScript in our mm-hmm. open source design system. And that is because once you introduce that, it is really difficult yeah. to stay mm-hmm. agnostic. Like you basically introduce opinion Frameworks. into the stack. Um However, internally, um, and I, this actually might be open source as well, uh, we do have a React version of our design system that some of our smaller mm. product teams use. Um, and then, you know, Lightning uh, components come with all that baked in. So, um, you know, if, if a developer at Salesforce is using a Lightning component, then um, they don't have to really worry about building that because it. Yeah. Some, somebody's already built that into the component. Um, in terms of how we uh, tell people um, what the expectation is, we right now have been doing that through our docs, like saying, you know, this class gets removed, this one gets added, um, you know, add these ARIA attributes, remove, uh, you know, this and so yeah. on. Like it's all through documentation. Um, but I I think there's, we're, we're, I think we're looking again at possibly reintroducing that into 
the docks, but I can't confirm that's actually going to happen. Mm. It's being explored right now because it is something, it's hard to show. It's easier to show than it is to tell. And it's just kind of, it's, it's been, it's been something that we've never loved about, um, the design system, see, uh, code, uh, code base. Like we yeah, want to be able to I've have been coming across that just, kind of issue myself in my, in the ones I've been working on. And it's, it's like, you know, where do I put these files and, and kind of what, what framework do I use for them? And, um, yeah, it's, it, it's kind of something that I've been looking for in yours as well. And, uh, just, it's interesting to hear about why you haven't included it. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of business reasons around it too, mm. that I can really <laughs> yeah. talk a bunch about. Well, but yeah. it, it is, I think it's fascinating. And, and like, this is something I've seen in my own work as well Is like, it's just this, this, again, that, that sort of coupling of, of sort of specific technologies to the, a UI, which is like a UI is a UI, right? And, and in your case, Salesforce is a great example of this is like you have native code that's like, that looks the same as web code and stuff. And, and it's like, people don't care how that stuff is built. Uh, they, they want the, right. the result. They want the buttons to be the same. They want the form validations to behave the same. They want, you know, the, the interactivity and all that the same. It's really, really, it is, they're it, it, murky waters to navigate because it's like on one hand, yeah, you, showing, not telling is, is typically a good thing or whatever. And like you want people to be able to sort of grab this stuff and go, but at the same time you want it to scale. And like, I think, I think you've all done a, right. just a beautiful job at balancing those considerations. Cause it sounds like you have sort of tech specific things in place that people can reach for, right? Like the whole like lightning, uh, like language or, or whatever, but like you, but in the actual sort of style guide and stuff, it's like, it's not necessarily like talked about only in that way. Right. Like it's, it's not like, Oh, you need to reach for this specific tech in order to get this UI. Right. Um, we do surface on our docs when there is a lightning component available because not every, not everything has been ported over to a lightning component yet. And so it's nice for the people internally to be like, Oh, this is going to be easy because I can just use this little lightning mm. tag and I'm good to go. <laughs> if you could just yeah. start from scratch, like what, what have you learned that, uh, like what mistakes have you made that you'd just do again? You'd, uh, kind of approach it differently. Um, you know, like I want to be able to say like, you know, find out all mm. your different use cases first and, but how <laughs> do you ever really do that? You know, <laughs> like, like, you know, if we had known that this was going to be, um, you know, used internally and externally on such a scale so quickly, like obviously we would make all sorts of different changes, but like, there's no way to ever predict that. But I, I do think there was there was a model that um, we were entertaining at the beginning that we abandoned that is now being talked about again um, that I wish we had just done it in the first place, which is um, the, the way I was calling it back then was skin and bones, which I know sounds really <laughs> off, but <laughs> the idea of like just, you know, having the structural bits of the CSS framework decoupled from the presentational bits. And the reason for that is 
you know, I, I could foresee that, you know, we've gone through some redesigns, like even Lightning itself has uh, been re redesigned a couple times. And I wanted to try to like, just have the structural interactive and like, like um, static bits, like kind of self-contained. And then, you know, the theming and, and, you know, stuff through like, uh, uh, you know, background colors and shadows and all that stuff just mm -hmm. be a, a separate thing. We abandoned it because it was kind of like, I guess at the time, like a little bit too much abstraction for us to really yeah, think about yeah. to get this thing shipped. But now, um, you know, there's a there's a new look that's going to be out at some point <laughs> soon. And um, it's, you know, it's requiring some some overhead work that, if we had done this in the first place, uh, would have been a lot easier. And so now um, I, I was super excited when I saw Nicole proposing this again. Nicole's my boss, Nicole <laughs> Sullivan, she's rad. Um, <laughs> she, she's basically trying to champion this again. And I'm like, yes, like this is gonna be good. Cause um, it's, you know, we want to be able to very quickly, um, you know, do a complete new overhaul without having to yeah, yeah. I think I think that makes stuff. perfect sense. I sort of mentioned that whenever I sort of mentioned like material design, and and when you talk about like what a design system provides you, it, it one of the main advantages is is like this solid foundation you could live with and grow with, and you might yeah. end up having a radically different look and feel. Like material design might end up feeling old and stale or whatever, but like, you're still going to have the bones, yeah. right? You're still going to have those structural bits. There's still right. going to be an input. There's still going to be a label. Uh, so like, that's awesome that, that you're, you're thinking hard about that. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Like tokens definitely get you a huge chunk mm. of the way there, but you know, if you didn't initially have the token for a shadow and now you need one, now you've yeah. got to go touch the CSS. So that's kind of, yeah. Is, is everybody on <laughs> the team like, on. like, does everybody geek out about that stuff or do some people, are they like, man, like everything's like an abstraction. Like I could, I could sort of see myself being like, <laughs> and, and I just in my own code and stuff, like I, I'll do like sort of like the two, two layer sort of SAS variables or whatever. It's not quite, not quite tokens, but like yep. it's, you're getting to a, a level of abstraction where it's like, at what point are you like, do you feel like sort of detached or is it, is it, is that all just like, it just makes so much like logical sense that it's like you sort of get over the, the sort of to the metal stuff, I guess. Yeah. So we've kind of gone back and forth on things like I um, I'm in favor of both like, you know, being lean and only abstracting mm -hmm. when you need to, but also trying trying to think about other use cases such as customization, mm -hmm. theming and all that stuff. So like with our tokens, um, when we first started our architecting that we had only done the two tiered naming for our colors. And I had suggested we also do it for type sizes and our spacing. And I did get pushback because yeah. it was seen as over abstraction. <laughs> and then, oh, did we yeah. wish we had done that? Because we, we, when we first launched Lightning, it was, you know, big and white spacey. And, you know, the, the, the whole aesthetic was about being like very like 
modern and fun and but we actually ended up annoying some of our customers because they actually need to put as much yeah. content on their screen as possible and they didn't need so much space so we had this huge um, effort that we called the lightning. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and it turns out, you know, a, a lot of the engineers thought it was going to be, oh, it's just a token change. Like, this will be a piece of cake. No, because we probably just want to tighten some gutters and, and spacing between elements, but not adjust spacing inside elements like spacing medium on a button we don't want to touch but spacing medium between mm -hmm. two cards we might want to touch and so now this isn't just a simple token change like we have to now touch the <laughs> sorry is that a fire token <laughs> it's lightning's um, out of control uh, we have to now still go police <laughs> <laughs> Like, we now have to touch the CSS. And so, um, you know, we did have some annoyed devs that were like, hey, I thought the whole point of tokens was that, you know, we off, we we basically put the design changes on the design team rather than on our team. And this was a huge overhead for them. Um, but then, you know, the response is, is like, well, it's not that design tokens don't allow for that. We just didn't architect it enough to do that. Um, so now, you know, we've got, um, you know, component-specific tokens in some cases so that now if something like this happens again, such as, like, the upcoming, um, you know, refresh of the visual design, we can now be strategic about where we apply spacing changes because That's we have cool. the two-tiered mm -hmm. system. So I'm a, big, I'm a big proponent of using that, and I know... You know, I see it all the time in the design system Slack. I see it um, in other conversations where people are like, oh, it's just too much. <laughs> I used to be that person this. who worked with someone who, who did that kind of two levels yeah. of distraction. I thought, this is so weird. I'll go along with it. Um, and we never did come up to a scenario where it was needed. But then, like, now I'm doing doing it myself. And it's like, no, we do need this. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry I was that person. <laughs> we're all we're all that person around something or a, another. At, Sometimes at you just gotta learn the hard yeah. way. I used to be anti CSS preprocessors because oh, I didn't think I needed them. <laughs> now I'm like the SAS fangirl. Did you have that with with some like users or developers? Because you have like the sort of like global prefix at the beginning of all of your classes, right? Like the SLDS dash. Yeah. Did did some developers and stuff go like? Were they like rolling their eyes and stuff? Because what we did that similar for for a big uh, design system that we made, and they're like, "This is ridiculous! Like, look at how long these." These and you're, you're are like, like, you don't know what I've seen, man. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, like we, you know, we actually initially didn't have him because I was the naysayer. <laughs> I didn't want him. <laughs> and then we, when we realized um, people were combining our CSS yeah. with theirs or even combining it with other frameworks like Bootstrap, um, mm -hmm. we had to introduce them and... We definitely, you know, between that plus the BEM syntax, we get people that say, oh, this is just way too verbose. But um, our stance back to people is clarity is like of utmost important to us. And if you can look at a class and know exactly what it does, then that's yeah. always yeah. going to win over yeah. brevity. I think. I, uh, and it's 
It's great because we can now actually apply tooling around these classes. We have a Chrome extension that our devs use that can analyze a screen they're working on and be like, here's the Holy CSS crap. classes that are from what? SLDS. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it can, it can detect these are SLDS classes. And if you are overriding any of those classes, it'll give you an F and you Whoa, have to... Oh, that's so freaking cool. Oh, my God. Before you check in. Yeah. We're making all sorts of cool That's really cool. Tools. And I think I might have mentioned this in, like, an episode pass or just even in, like, conversations. It's amazing that just, like, by way of, of like, codifying standards or, like, or just, like, sort of picking something and going with it allows you to do this sort of, like, next-level stuff where, like... If you didn't make those decisions, if you're just like, ah, like you can opt into this or like whatever, it's like you, you can't do all that fun stuff. Yeah. And then the stuff. That's that's an unprefixed style. What's that doing in there? <laughs> that's fantastic. So I, I have a question that I get asked a lot and I don't really have a good answer for um and it's around the kind of business case for style guides um so a lot of people say you know how do i convince my boss to do this and um and it sounds like <laughs> salesforce like has a whole team dedicated to doing this like what what has the kind of the what have the directors seen that that kind of it adds value that um maybe other companies haven't seen uh, and you mentioned before about like wanting to join the team in the first place because you saw their style guide. So like, you know, hiring is obviously one point, but are there, yeah. are there others that, that would be useful to know about? Uh, well, yeah, like, um, you know, the lightning mm -hmm. tightening I mentioned before was a huge, huge undertaking that would have been extremely painful mm -hmm. without a design system in the first place. And uh, other examples are, you know, we, uh, had to change her navigation um, style. And this is across many, many products and different stacks. And we were able to do this very quickly. And execs notice that because, I mean, the, the request is coming from execs in the first place. And then they see how quickly uh, this change rolls out. Like, they definitely notice that so much so that um, we, so we do this thing called the V2 mom process every year where it's vision, values, uh, methods, obstacles, and measures. Everybody writes one up for what they're trying to do through the year. And it starts with the CEO and then the execs and kind of rolls all the way down to the right. individual contributors. And you'll, you align upwards to like, um, your manager or your organization. Uh, the Lightning Design Systems adoption is on every exec's V2 mom wow, at some point. that's great. <laughs> um, for this year. So, like, where last year it was all about, like, you know, getting sales cloud fully in the mix. Now it's like, okay, wow. everybody else. <laughs> so, um, and the reason they did that was because they saw how quickly this one particular use case rolled out and they want to see that happen to everything they want everything to roll out very quickly and does it um, does that have so, impact on like yeah. so i'd love to just like briefly hear like how 
the like the the team's shape has evolved like so so i'm assuming that like over the last couple of years like from when you first started on this to to now the team might be a little bit like bigger and have more resources than they had in the past do you can you speak to that a little bit yeah <laughs> i can um <laughs> i i will um I will say I'm not super thrilled with where things are right now, okay. but I'll, I'll explain why in a minute. So, yeah, like as I mentioned before, when I started on the team, it was a cross-functional team of, uh, you know, designers and developers. And um, I really think a good design systems team um, has that, like, that awesome mm -hmm. mix of talents and skills. Um, but we have grown a lot, and uh, a lot of new folks have come in, um, some folks have left and um, some things have changed. <laughs> so now we actually, so the the team that works on the Lightning Design System is really kind of a virtual team that makes up people okay. from other teams. So um, we still have the Design Systems team, which is the team I'm on. Um, but we, so the designers have been pulled off my team and put on a new team. Uh, we have one that's called Creative UX, and they are in charge of basically the, you know, uh, visual design and sound and animations and, you know, all the, the really um, beautiful and um, experiential parts of our products. And then we have a platform foundation UX team, which is, you know, thinking about the Salesforce ecosystem mm -hmm. from a platform standpoint. So um, they know how all our different patterns and components are used and where and all the different use cases. And so they now mm. own that part of the design system. And then our team is focused on the CSS framework and documentation. Um, as a hybrid, I loved when our team kind of did a lot of that because I got to kind of jump around and do a bunch of different stuff. And, um, but I understand why, uh, we changed it because, you know, we, we just got really big and I guess, um, the, the thinking is with people focus on their different areas and then collaborating together, we work on the system together. Um, it, uh, pulls the really, or it pulls the, some of the stress off of the one single team. Um, but like it kind of puts me in the funny position yeah, of okay yeah, where do I belong? Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, but um, you know I'm I'm very excited to see um, where things are going. I, I you know since Nicole's come in, a lot of really good changes have been happening, and I think the design. I don't know if you noticed, but there's a redesign of the Lightning Design System that went out kind of somewhat oh. quietly last week. Oh my goodness! Ah, oh, that looks fantastic. Yeah, yeah it's way different. <laughs> Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, and so lots of lots of new stuff is coming down the 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 pike. Sure, yeah, yeah. Coming down the pike. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, um, and so oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, that's great. You know, but it, it it is really interesting, like that. Just like <laughs> you you're talking about, sort of like some of the apprehensions of like sort of having people a little like not necessarily like in the in all under the the same umbrella i guess if you will but like like that yeah i've seen that play out in so many different ways at different organizations just in my own consulting work where it's like it's like you do sort of need to have at least at the very beginning like that that very collaborative cross-disciplinary team that's able to sort of like 
you know, communicate very, very thoroughly and, and collaborate closely and make something great. And then it sounds like whenever you have achieved that, it sounds like it's like, all right, our work here is done, but yeah. like, but it's not right. And so that's like, that's the friction, I guess. A little yeah. Bit. Yeah. I, I really like, um, I, I liked the prior model that, you know, I, I had even wrote in response to an article from mm-hmm. Nathan Curtis about team models where you have the centralized team, but then you also have federated contributors from product teams, um, and it's a cyclical pairing process where you all kind of own and work on the design system together. But that centralized team is really what helps uh, keep the design system maintained yeah. and living. And um, we, we're slightly different now, but um, we do still have a lot of collaboration and uh, pairing happening. So we didn't good. lose that, which is good. So Gina, um, we have yeah. so many more questions for you, but we're totally out of time. Um, we'll have to save them for season three. Um, before yeah. we go, could you okay. tell us a bit about Clarity? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so Clarity is a design systems conference that I started last year. Um, in fact, Brad spoke at it last year. Um, and it's at the Alamo Draft House in the Mission in San Francisco. So it's kind of fun and quirky. And I like to, you know, I like to mix it up because when I first announced it, I got some people that were really a whole conference around design systems. We were the same with the podcast. Yeah. Guilty. But but there's so many topics inside the umbrella of design systems that it's it's Mm. not boring at all. It's you know there were topics on accessibility, topics on animation, topics on content strategy. Like there's so many different things to cover. So doing it again this year, uh, this time in November, and um, I'm really excited about the lineup. Um, a lot of um, you know faces that um, you might recognize, um, along with um, some people that I only just discovered this year, like yeah, Amelie Lamont great. talking. And I just found out about her, and I'm yeah, like a big fantastic. fan of, yeah. of her. <laughs> Yeah, so very excited to have her and Debbie Millman, who I still can't believe she said yes. Like that's so exciting that she's gonna <laughs> <Fantastic>. keynote. <laughs> um, yeah, and then um, uh, you know th- this time I'm doing some workshops too. So Nathan is doing a design systems workshop, and uh, Val Head is doing one on prototyping with animations. Uh, so really I think cool. it'll be really fun. And, awesome. and you also true? run a community, that's uh, yeah. Slack. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh, that thing has really grown. Um, yeah, so it, designsystems.herokuapp.com is a little form that'll automatically send you an invite if you want to join. There's over 2,600 people in there now, which, yeah, yeah, like, I remember when it first started, it was just, like, maybe 12 or so people, and, um, then it, it's just, design systems are so hot right now, it's (laughs) cool, we've been trying to work that into every episode of the podcast, we've been doing design systems since before they were cool, yeah, there we go, yeah, I think I, I think I yeah, even said in a talk once. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's cool. Like I, I, 
I love that there's like this huge passion around design systems. I think the whole world's just been like, the whole community has just been like burned by like short sightedness and just like people going like, oh, this looks cool. I'm going to do this. And like, oh, the next time (laughs) around, oh, this looks cool. I'm going to do this. And then it's like, you end up with a bunch of spaghetti and nobody wants that. So it's like, it is, I think it's like a lot of it's coming from people that are like, yes, finally, we have like some language to like avoid those terrible rabbit holes and stuff. So, yeah. uh, so it's awesome. So, so thank you so much for, for everything you do for the community and for, and for, for talking with us and and (laughs) all of this, I'm, I'm looking forward to hanging out at clarity and, and, uh, just from a, from a, just like an audience member I'm like I'm so excited to learn more from you so (laughs) so keep it up keep uh keep the the conference talks coming keep all the writing coming keep all the evangelizing coming the community (laughs) organizing everything just like keep it going and because like nothing but good things are are coming from it so so thank you all right and I think that's that and I guess we will see you next time thanks for listening Bye. Bye.